Over the next few minutes, you are going to learn when is it the right time to have various conversations with your kid about sensitive stuff. And this word time makes me want to sing a bangle song that was released in 1987, but I'm not going to do that because this is not a singing pod podcast. So welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in a car each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And uh, the answer to this week's question, which let's just... Um, read it out again. Uh, my question is, how do you know it's time to have various conversations? Well, the answer to that question comes from the growth pillar inside the Evolved Family Method. And the growth pillar shows you the way to have this type of learning for every age and stage. Like, um, so the growth pillar talks about, well, if you have a four-year-old, when do you start conversations? When you're a 10-year-old, what conversations do you start? Um, it takes into account the developmental stages um, that makes it easier for us to talk and more difficult for us to talk. So um, that's what the Evolve Pillar looks at too. Now there are 16 sections, not the Evolved Pillar, the Growth Pillar, of course. Um, there are 16 sections of the Growth Pillar. We're going to focus on three because being overwhelmed by information does not help you move forward and uh, I don't want you to feel stuck. That's not what we're here to do. So when you have a question like this about what time is right to start a conversation. Some of the things that you might be doing is uh, waiting for your child to get closer to puberty because you've heard that um, they need to be older before you start having conversations like this. Perhaps you've bought a book um, to give them or to help you learn about it but you've had to hide it away because again you're not sure what's the right time to give it to them. Um, maybe you're googling how to talk to kids about sex or how to talk to kids about genitals or whatever the specific topic is that you want to talk about and you might actually be asking other parents whether they've had the conversation not or, or not and if they have had the conversation perhaps you're like oh no now what I'm doing I'm already behind. Now all that stuff that you might be doing makes absolute sense. I completely get why you're doing it and there can be a number of reasons why um, if we have a question about when to start we'll be doing all those sort of tasks that don't seem to be helping us very much like hiding a book away or asking other people purely because maybe when you were younger you were given a book about puberty um, and it was awkward and felt weird and it didn't feel comfortable and even though the adult cared and loved for you so much and they said to you that you could come and ask some questions you didn't feel able to do that it just felt weird and wrong um, maybe they actually tried to have a conversation with you and it also felt weird and icky and wrong and it was through no fault of their own they were doing the best they could with the information they had at the time. So I've learnt when parents are uh, taking action based on uh, their experience of growing up that it's a sign that the courageous tongue-tied parent effect is coming into play and you might know by now because I talk about it a lot that the courageous tongue-tied parent effect involves us realizing that we want to do something different for our child but the experiences we've had in our past cause us to feel tongue-tied and like we don't have enough information and uh, we don't have answers to the questions that are swirling around in our head about how to do this right and that's essentially what the courageous tongue-tied parent effect is. 
And what we do want to be doing is building our evolved communicating family, which means uh, we're having conversations and learning skills and teaching skills, not just to ourselves, but the children or child we are raising, that mean these conversations get easier over time and feel more natural over time. And that's what an evolved communicating family feels like that questions can be asked, conversations can be started, everyone's feelings can be dealt with in a way that feels connecting and caring and compassionate and are reassuring. Those words, connecting, compassionate, reassuring, that's what we want. Well, that's what I want in my family. Um, I imagine if you're listening to sitting in a car or watching sitting in a car, then you want that too. So, Let's get on to the answer to this week's question, which is about when is it right, the right time to have these various conversations. Point number one, there is a thing that happens in child development. Uh, kicks in around the age eight, nine or 10, that sort of age. I call it the squick factor. That's the way I see it because um, they start feeling squicky about conversations about sensitive stuff. Um, and so, the squick factor, when that comes in, it makes it like, I don't know, let's pick a large number out of the air, a hundred times more difficult to start conversations about sensitive stuff with kids. So point one in answer to this question about when is it right to have start various conversations with kids about sensitive stuff before the squick factor takes hold. Now, the problem is most of us have never been told about the squick factor. We wouldn't know it if it came up and stared us in the face. But um, once we do know that the squick factor happens and it makes it really difficult to talk to our kids because they have this physical reaction in their body, which is just like, don't talk to me about those that sort of stuff that feels weird and awkward and just wrong. Once we know that is going to kick in at some point, we can start laying the foundation and um, building awareness that in our family, we talk about these things and get our child used to that over time so that when the, the squick factor hits, we're not having to start from zero to build confidence and um, ease and habit around conversations about sensitive stuff. You know, thinking back, I tell this story all the time about um, my mum coming into my room and I think I was probably about 10 to have a conversation about periods, which is super awesome, right? And she had the little pamphlet from the tampon box, which had um, an interior picture of the vagina and the uterus and everything to help her have that conversation. But my squick factor was fully engaged. And so when mum comes in and she starts to try and talk about this, the squick factor, which is protective and developmentally appropriate, but super unhelpful when it comes to have connected conversations about sensitive stuff, my squick factor rises up and goes, get out of my room, get out, get out, get out, get out. And like no parent can deal with a squick factor when it is in full force, you know. And so my mum left and I didn't have the benefit of that conversation. So uh, point number one, we need to get in before the squick factor. So that means we're looking at talking to kids much younger than you would imagine. Four, five, six, seven, eight, about all sorts of things. Point number two, how do you think about conversations to do with sexuality and the body and the genitals and relationships and all that sort of thing? Because how we think about those conversations will impact um, our judgment about them. 
here's what I mean. If I said to you, um, when is it right to have or teach my child various information about um, road safety, for example, uh, you would not be thinking, well, you know, road safety, it's, um, you have to be careful with information about road safety because someone else might not have taught their child to press the button or to always hold hands when walking along the road. So, you know, we don't do that. We go, okay, road safety, yeah, that's super important and I wanna make sure my child knows from the very beginning that they don't run off when there are cars around, that they stay close to me in car parks, that they hold my hand when they're crossing the road, that we don't run, that we only walk, right? And so you'd be going, oh yeah, well, conversations about road safety, I will be having one of those whenever uh, we're walking along or before we get out of the car in a car park. And we're going to do it as often as possible because we know how important that information is. Exactly the same thing when it comes to conversations about sensitive stuff. This is not the sort of thing that uh, we're going to wait about because we need our child to be older and maybe um, closer to the time when they're going to have their first relationship. We are going to be layering those conversations on. You will have heard me talk about layering. Starting simple, basic concepts from when kids are very small helping them to develop the skills to talk about sensitive things and learn about consent and speaking up for what they need from when they're very, very young. So as they develop the skills and abilities inside the safety of their family with you, um, they can then go out into the world with something far more fully developed than if we've waited to have a conversation uh, with them when they're 12 or 13. Point number three, our world has changed a lot since you and I were brought up, since we were kids. Um, I remember running free in a um, like abandoned paddock behind the house that I grew up in Nigeria, because a lot of my growing up life was in Nigeria, in Jos. Um, running free, making forts out of tall grass, uh, roaming the streets, you may have memories like that too. And our children are growing up in different times. And that means they need different skills and different supports and um, different awareness. And so um, because the world is different, we need to adjust our parenting and do something different. And that means while it might've been okay to have conversations about sensitive things like periods and bodies and puberty and consent though when I was growing up didn't even know what consent was of course while that might have been okay for us because the world was much simpler and again you could argue that actually it just we just didn't have the awareness of the dangers and the fears around that time um, we know now we know a better way to um, live we know better relationship skills. We know what to aim for in terms of what is a healthy relationship. How do we advocate for ourselves? And so that demands having conversations about these relatively new skills um, with children from a very young age. And it's not just about conversations. It's actually also about the culture in our family, how we treat our children day to day, how we treat ourselves day to day, um, how we talk about other people who are different to us, have different values to us. Um, and when we model what um, caring, self-respect, um, 
honouring diversity, speaking up for what we need looks like. We don't have to have as many explicit conversations because our child is doing lots of learning just by seeing us interact with the world. Now that means that um, like modelling, the earlier that starts, the better off our child is. So when it comes to this question about when do we start various conversations, um, we could actually say, well, we need to have conversations with ourselves so we understand the skills that we need to model our child. And we can do that really, really early on. We can be learning that stuff when we're still changing nappies at the nappy table. And we realize we don't know how to say the correct words for genitals. We can be practicing vulva, 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 penis, 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 penis. I'm practicing this. You can look into your newborn's eyes. I'm practicing this because I feel so awkward saying these words. And I really want to be able to say them better as you get older. Okay, so you've just heard how to know when it's the right time to have various conversations with your kids. It's always the right time. Earlier is better. <laughs> but this doesn't help if you don't actually know specific topics of conversation to bring up with them. Um, and that's where we focus on the nine pillars of um, age-appropriate conversations that you can have with children of every age. So. If you would like to hear more about um, the guidelines with those nine pillars, they're part of the Evolve School and the Evolve School will be opening um, soon, I'd say actually in less than a month. So if you would like to find out when um, the Evolve School opens, head over to the link somewhere around this episode or um, maybe it's in my bio or in the comments below, uh, sarahsproul.com forward slash evolve. If you put your name down, on that list, I will do the rest of the work and let you know when the Evolve School is, um, the doors are open and you might be able to join it if that feels right to you at this time. And that's sitting in a car for another week where I've answered a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around you. Bye for now. I'm going to be answering this question here. It's about time and it's got me thinking about that bangle song, time, 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 but I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to have to start again. Start again. Oh dear. Let's go right back to the beginning. <laughs> I splashed myself with water. <laughs> it's hard to do sitting in the car when it's a hot day. This is where you and I sit in a car together answering a question to help us raise your confident and caring young person. No, 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 no. Ah! One more time.